you losers. You trash, Bills. Welcome to Football Another F Word. I am your host, Michael Gillum. As always, I'm joined by Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. You can read articles by Mike Herndon, John Glennon, to name just a few people, broadwaysportsmedia.com. We are here to give you the Middle Tennessee sports coverage that we feel like the national guys ignore, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. Gentlemen, I suspect I know the answer, but how are we doing? I am so happy. It is not as early as we usually record in the mornings, but I cannot wait to talk about this Bills game. The Bills, you losers. You trash, Bills. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great morning. I mean, I, I was up late writing uh, after the game, which uh, I really don't mind doing that much after uh, a performance like that because it's way more fun to talk about uh, – you know, what, what's gone right than everything that's gone wrong over the past two weeks. It was a beautiful, beautiful, just refresher after the, the drama and the depression of having the COVID saga uh, hanging over this team for the past uh, two weeks. Just unbelievable performance. I, I'm thrilled, thrilled to be talking about a great football performance. I want more, 2 p- or more Tuesday 6 p.m. games. <laughs> or just more 6 p.m. games. 6 p.m. games are perfect. Monday night football should come down to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Obviously, we are talking about Titans have beaten the Bills. Anni- I'm sorry, annihilated. Demolished. The Demolished Music City the Massacre, baby. Woo! 42-16 after all my ballyhooing about how the Titans always play the Bills close. It wasn't close by the time halftime hit. Uh, just a fantastic performance. We're going to get into several of those, but I got to agree with Zach. This 6 p.m. Central start time for for primetime games is perfect. It I was ended at, at the, 9 p.m. And I was, I was like, at, I could watch a whole other show. I was at the game, which we'll get into in the second segment. I was at the game and I was home by, I think, 945, almost 10 o'clock. I, I got home in enough time to actually re-watch the recording I had on TV. <laughs> I knew what I was talking about this morning. Were you on TV? I did look for myself. I didn't look too hard because I don't feel like I'm the most attractive person, hence the reason why we're on radio. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think I was on TV at one point because, you know, there wasn't, wasn't a ton of people there. But uh, uh, let's get into this. I kind of want to start with Malcolm Butler. If I had to pick one person on defense and I just want to give a bear hug despite COVID, it would be Malcolm Butler. That man with his two picks, especially the second one. Mm. Mm-mm. He is feeling himself this year and he's not in a contract year technically, but he's in a year where we have to make a decision or the Titans have to make a decision to either restructure his contract or just get rid of it. And he's making a good case to the Titans right now that he is a leader in this locker room. He is the man in this locker room and he is ready to destroy some other of these, uh, defenses and he had a really good game now sure a lot of catches were caught in front of him and I'm sure there's a lot of yards that are going to be attributed to him but that's what they wanted they wanted to do a soft zone and keep everything in front of them and not get beat deep because they didn't have the speed to cover over the top and Malcolm Butler is just feeling himself don't you since the first game something about him and his play on the field 
it just looks like a, the Malcolm Butler that we had at the end of 2018, those last eight games. And I'm feeling good. Like, I, there, there's no real negative. Every negative I have is going to end up being a positive. So just get prepared. <laughs> just get ready for it. Because the Bills are losers. What if, stupid if, losers they are. If you, if you hate joy, you are going to hate this podcast. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I thought Butler was, it was great to see him get those two picks. Cause for one, Butler is one of the most over persecuted Titans that we've had in a while. I mean, it, you, he gets trashed by so many people who are still clinging to those first six games when he was admittedly awful uh is when he arrived with the titans but he has not been that guy in two full years now and it's time to let all that go he played you know a great game last night uh you know the picks a little bit right place in the right time you know kind of deal um but give him credit for being in that right place that's that's part of your job as a cornerback and then making the play when it falls in your lap um in the the returns were huge too by the way i mean not only making the turnover but picking up like 40 or 50 yards of field position, um, that that's huge. He set them up with very short fields, gave them two kind of, you know, easy shots in the red zone and the Titans cashed them in, uh, you know, big, big time stuff from Malcolm Butler. And they had to have it with Adoree Jackson and Christian Fulton back out. Well, and with, you know, with Butler on his second pick, which I will say this real quick, his knee was probably down. Nope, we're not talking about this. it. But, but <laughs> We're but, not talking about it. I, but to go right back to the positive, the note that's off of that is regardless of where the ball would eventually be returned, his pick was absolutely devastating to the Bills on that second drive. They had a long, I, I mean, they had a several minute drive going where they were just annihilating the clock and eating it up and slowly dipping and dunking and driving down the field on the Titans. And Malcolm Butler just brought that to a screeching halt. I think it killed about the Bills momentum and pretty much ended up killing their night. Just, But then, yeah, he sets it up with that hell of a return that puts it down, I believe, right inside the red zone where the Titans ended up scoring. Uh, that's kind of where I want to go next. Titans in the red zone, it, correct me if I'm wrong, were six for six. They Ten. were four for four at the end of the third. Yeah, the Titans, according to NFL research, the Titans became the first team to score a touchdown on every red zone possession, a minimum of six red zone drives, so we had six, have zero turnovers, and allow no sacks since the Patriots defeated the who? The stupid loser Buffalo Bills 56-10 to in week 11 of their undefeated 2007 season. You know what that lets me know? Titans are going undefeated, baby. <laughs> That's, that's all I get it, from that tweet. That's all I get from that tweet. He's calling a shot, Mike, on undefeated now. Is this, for, <laughs> is this how hyped, like, trashing the Bills has you? Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you answer that because the reason why I'm hyped about it is every time I go to a Bills game, I have to deal with the Bills coming to uh, Tennessee. I get in the most asinine arguments with Bills fans. Last time, I, it, it felt like I was almost about to come to blows over lake effect snow. And I have to deal with that this time. You know why? Because the Titans just absolutely throttled the Bills. I love it. So I'm sorry. Let me get back on topic. Mike, are we going undefeated? <laughs> uh, I mean, probably. Um, <laughs> but no, the red the red zone offense, uh, you, you mentioned it, the six for six, huge. And that's been a calling card of the Titans over the past two years. Um, they got a little bit off track in Minnesota. They only went two for four. That was actually Minnesota, I believe, was the first time 
uh, since Ryan Tannehill took over that they had multiple red zone opportunities not go for touchdowns in a single game, which is unbelievable. We're now at, you know, what, 17 games with Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback. Uh, that's the only time that that's happened to them. Now they're right back on track. They were already uh, sixth um, in the NFL in touchdowns per red zone trip heading into this game. They're probably going to be first after that. I mean, it's it's they're unbelievable in the red zone. Like, and that's a huge tribute to Arthur Smith. Yeah, I am so scared. I mean, it, it's it's almost impossible for us to keep Arthur Smith. I feel like it, unless you know we just go like four and twelve or something like the rest of the way. But it, it, you're right. It's all Arthur Smith all the time. And he is doing such a good job of throwing out personnel. And he didn't have Corey Davis. He didn't have Adam Humphreys. He didn't have Cam Batson. He didn't have Michael Pruitt. He didn't have Kari Blasting Game. Taylor Lewan was in and out of the lineup. I mean, he does so much with what he's given. And him and Ryan Tannehill are a match made in heaven. They are the perfect quarterback offensive coordinator duo outside of like Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy, but that's could be more a little bit Andy Reid. I mean, just the turnaround of this whole offense. I mean, remember the last two years that we played the Bills, also in week five, we couldn't get our offense ever going. I mean, just our offense was bad, whether it was drops or we couldn't escape pressure. Zero sacks with Ryan Tannehill, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, it's just a masterful performance. And the only reason he has 195 yards, if you look at that box score, is because he had good field position because of the defense. So and man. special teams. Art 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 Smith, like you said, it's almost impossible that we're gonna keep him at this point. I really hope that Amy offers him a contract that's like 30 cents less than, <laughs> than Mike's, <laughs> just to say, look, yes, your title is coordinator, but for the love of God, stay <laughs> with the Tennessee Titans, because I'm like you. I just don't see how this man does not end up as a head coach next year because it, his game plan was just glorious. That two-minute drive uh, at the end of the first half, oh. I, nothing short of masterclass. Yes, it really was. That, that was four-star best steak you ever had in your life meal to watch it live. And then I went back and watched the replay again, just to confirm it was beautiful. It left zero time on the clock for the bills to even try to gather their wits and put together some sort of hail Mary to get points on the board. It, it, it almost ended the bills game bills night right there. They had to just kneel, go into the locker room and try to figure it out. And they did not figure it out. It was just an effortless performance. Like it just felt like it felt like we were in the playoffs last night. Like that was the team that we saw trounce the Patriots. That was the team that we saw beat the Ravens. Just that energy on the field, the energy by the players. I mean, I want the NFL smoke. Give it to the Titans. Give them all the smoke that they can handle. I want it. I want to be disrespected the rest of the season. I don't want to be number three in power rankings put the titans at 15 i want it let's do it disrespect us some more give it to us we love it it's uh <laughs> the the disrespect thing is crazy and i you know coming into this game the whole narrative was just oh well the 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 bills are uh the new afc darling we'll get a chance to see them you know come out and get to kind of show what they've got uh, show that they can compete with the Chiefs and the Ravens and all these teams. 
you know, it, Josh Allen is an MVP candidate, all this stuff. This is all I'm hearing coming into the game. And then the Titans come out and beat them by 26 points, having practiced twice. The, the Titans were practicing via Zoom for most of the past two weeks. And, and, the, and Mel, the Montgomery Bell Academy thing was for the Steelers. Like right, yeah. they weren't even practicing for the Bills in this game that the 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 Bills fans that have came out and said that we have an, a competitive advantage <laughs> because we had that practice two weeks ago at Montgomery Bell Academy when we were practicing for the Steelers is insane. I I the, the 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 takes by Bills Mafia those stupid losers, I mean, are just horrible. And let's we already talked about the Josh Norman stiff arm that sent him into space looking like Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. Oh, I'm 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 saving that for second segment because I want to I want to marinate in that I want to I want to lightly slip into it like it's some sort of sauna because that was that that's one of the most beautiful stiff arms ever. I heard that Jones, I believe I heard it on the broadcast, ran a simulated game, a full game in his backyard. Yeah, yeah. I mean a three-hour game. <laughs> Peter King reported it too. It, so this is obviously fan of the podcast. If you've listened for a while, you'll know that our podcast roots started with team dysfunction and how the Titans didn't seem to, you know, be glued together. This is a team that will absolutely go to war for each other. If you're talking about a man who's running a full simulated game in his backyard, are you kidding me? Vrabel has these men bought in. Like Vrabel is the blueprint for teams that have dysfunction, like the Jets. If you want to, if you want to build a team that is a contender, you get a coach like Mike Vrabel, especially after a trash fire coach like Adam Gase. Like that's what you want. You want the there. If there was, I'd say probably if there was like there's maybe a handful of other coaches that could have taken the last two weeks that we've gone through and turned it into what you saw last night. So, I'm sorry, Mike Zimmer's not one of them, Mike. (laughs) No, no, in. It can't be, I don't think it can be overstated what Vrabel has done, uh, getting them ready for this game. I mean, you saw two teams take the field and one of them looked like they'd been preparing for two weeks, uh, you know, on a practice field and having a perfectly normal uh, universe, not the chaos that we've all known and been experiencing kind of secondhand over the past uh, couple of weeks holding his team together through all that with all the, the guys that were out. I mean, no Jeffrey Simmons, no Adoree Jackson, no Christian Fulton, no Corey Davis, no Adam Humphreys. Um, absolutely tremendous coaching job. The Titans were crisp. They were sharp. They came out. They, they didn't make any mistakes. They had very few penalties, no turnovers, won the turnover battle, turnover battle in a landslide, um, made all the special teams plays. It was a clinic in game preparation, and he, Mike Vrabel wants this to be a player-led team. He's always talked about if you can get the players leading each other and leading themselves, that's when you know you've really won uh, as a coach, and that is what's happening. The, the broadcast talked about Ryan Tannehill in, in a big text chain of uh, a bunch of the players that were constantly holding each other accountable hey go work out hey what have you done today get out there here's what I'm doing you know and that kind of stuff sounds stupid and small but it's it's really what makes a team and this is a Titans team that I think has taken on that bunker mentality after two weeks of being persecuted by the national media and I honestly think that this may actually in fact make them stronger as the year goes on because I mean it, it is them against the world in their mind from here on out the team 
Tannehill, they're getting on Zoom calls to try to motivate each other, <clears throat> excuse me, to try to motivate each other, to try to remind each other, this is what I'm working on today. A completely unprecedented setup to try to do this. Have The team hasn't practiced together in two weeks. And then for Tannehill to come off a ripoff of a, perf- a performance of 21 for 28, 195 yards and three touchdowns, which include a rushing touchdown. This man is so happy to be free of Adam Gase. I've never seen anything like it. He's like a wild puppy loose in the backyard out there, smiling ear to ear. I do want to point out the man almost injured himself celebrating his first rushing touchdown. Stop. Please don't do that. Please don't jump into the end zone like that again. That, that was an awkward landing. But every single time the team had some sort of big momentum shifting moment, they were just ear to ear grinning. This looked like this didn't look like a team that has not practiced. This is like a team that's had two weeks off to prepare for the Super Bowl was having the game of their lives. And I want to get into the most incredible stiff arm I've ever seen in my life. It, 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 top three NFL stiff arms, I feel like. And it came on a it's play. Number one. It, it's number one. Like, it's, it's, I, it's mesmerizing. <laughs> it came on a play that ended up getting called back for offsetting penalties. And the Titans ran the ball right back at Josh Norman and he and Henry ended up getting the first out. So let's discuss the stiff arm. I don't understand how Henry with one arm and that little forward motion with his arm was able to take a man, an NFL player off of his feet like that. And, and for it to be Josh Norman just adds to it because <laughs> two years ago when we played uh, the Washington football team, uh, Taylor Lewan did the little uh, archery thing that uh, um, I guess Josh Norman's known for doing and did it right in his face on the bench when they were beating him and they got into it. So uh, the fact that it's Josh Norman, it just makes it so much better. But like he flings the guy, a grown man that he flings across the way. I mean, just across his body. I've never seen someone just fly like that. Like when you Google Josh Norman, literally just put his name in Google. The top stories, the first three that show up on Google are all of him flying through the air. Like that's it. That's that's all he's known for now is, is that right there. And and to me, when you are able to throw a six foot, 200 pound man like that, I mean, that's going to be on angry runs probably. It's, it's stiff arm of the century. I mean, he looks like he's going through, he's a Buffalo bills uh, fan going through a table because he's a stupid loser. I told you guys, I was going to get as many stupid losers in about the bills as I could. (laughs) Yeah. It it was fun to watch. It was one of those moments where I definitely, I like stood up and had like a visceral reaction to the the play. Um, And it was perfect that it was Norman. He was like flailing through the air. It looked like to me like a salmon swimming upstream, just kind of fluttering uh, as he flew towards the sidelines. Like it was just, it was hilarious to watch. Henry never fails to amaze me with just his feats of strength at this point uh, on a football field. It's like he's, he's having a contest with himself to see who, like how he can one up his last embarrassment of a defender. Um, but yeah, that was a, a, one of those moments that really didn't have any bearing on the game whatsoever, but was just had to be a little bit demoralizing for the Bills defense. I didn't think anything could be better than the Earl Thomas stiff arm, 
like where he turns into a fullback and then he does this. It's every stiff arm elevates and builds <laughs> off the last stiff arm. It's like some uh, Christopher Nolan trilogy where it just gets better and better and better and builds to this big conclusion. At some point, Derrick Henry is going to stiff arm someone and they're just going to explode. <laughs> explode. I was going to say that technically makes Earl Thomas and uh, Josh uh, Norman brothers, but uh, we'll leave that on the table for another time. But the stiff arm inside the stadium, the the crowd, that's the, the most hyped the crowd was all night, except for the end of the game, obviously. But the reaction on the sidelines was like one of those and one videos where somebody drops a sick drop back or a dunk or something. The players, and, and again, when I watched the replay at home, the player's reaction to the sidelines was pure joy, wide-eyed, wide mouth. I cannot believe what I just watched in person. And the broadcast just continually rolling it over and over again. I mean, they spent time at halftime going over it. And again, the reason why I make such a big deal out of it is because it was a play that was called back on a penalty. It had no bearing on the game whatsoever. It was unbelievable. It it just it made me so happy for Henry because the man so angry is it good morning football that does the angry run award or something yeah yeah Yeah, it'll be there i'm just gonna say that's the angry run of the season right there how can you top that norman got thrown into the shadow realm did you did you see diana rossini's tweets about it no i was not i was scrambling to catch up with tweets last noted uh titans super insider diana rossini which i think she's a secret fan of the titans as well but her first tweet about it was, I don't think I've ever seen a stiff arm like that in person because she was there last night. But her second one was, I want to go run in the locker room and steal Josh Norman's phone so he doesn't have to see his ats, but there are strict protocols. Like, this poor man, you know that he opened his phone up and he had just, he'll, he'll have texts from probably former Panthers. I bet Odell has sent him a text about it or something. You know he's just getting decimated by the players behind the scenes. And then everybody that's decimating him on Twitter in public. And then today when he wakes up, he's going to see it all over the highlights. I mean, it's and then he's got to go watch it in the film room too. That's the thing. He's going to have to see that play in practice in front of his peers when they go out and do film review. Like, how embarrassing for you, you stupid Bills loser. One of my favorite memes that I saw was he's midair. Henry's got the arm out in front of him, and Josh Norman is being thrown through a folding table, which just made uh, the perfect meme for that. Bills fans and their stupid tradition of throwing each other through tables. It it just, it couldn't make any more perfect. I'm just, I'm, I'm bathed in happiness this morning of, of how wonderful it was to see the Bills have to just drop their head and just stroll out of that stadium. Well, you saw it in person. So what was the stadium attendance like? I know that Paul uh, Karski, at Paul Karski NFL, he reported that's 8,403 people in attendance. 8,500 was the max capacity last night. But what, how many of it was Bills fans and how many of it was Titans fans? It was the majority of it was Titans fans. Yeah, I, would say. I like to hear it. Yeah, it was. The majority of it was Titans fans. Um, I there were there were noticeable Bills fans there, but I say noticeable only because when you're spread out like that, it was pretty easy to get a good look at who's there. I would say it was eighty percent Titans fans. Oh, good. Um, <clears throat> the crowd was <sighs> jovial, like 
just really, it was like the holidays. It was just like, everyone was so happy to just be at an NFL game. Even the majority <laughs> of Bills fans were really cordial and just happy to be in the stadium and wanting to just have a good time. Um, it was, it was surreal. It was, I wrote this now multiple times on my phone while I was at the game that I'm watching two undefeated NFL teams battle it out in front of a Sunbelt conference crowd. Like it just, it, it, it didn't make any sense from a crowd level standpoint, but the crowd that was there was having a good time. They weren't cheering as much as you would think and making as much noise. And I'm sure it's because it's a cavernous event. They're trying to, you know, fill that stadium with sound, but it was like a huge social event centered around a really, really fun NFL game. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. What was the production like? I mean, did they still pull out all the stops and all the videos and all that kind of stuff for the in-game experience? I mean, like, what was that like? Yeah, so the first thing that stood out to me was, A, the piped-in crowd noise is strange. Um, you can hear it on the speakers continuously, um, and, and it's really odd. It's just, it's like there's a group of people that are standing behind you that are constantly cheering for things that are not happening on the field. So it's like, it just, you know, time out on the field and the crowd behind you is just having a great time. And it's like, why, what, why are we not quiet right now? So that part was a little weird. And then of course they still threw up the um, decibel meter on, <laughs> on the oh my board, God. which it was floating between like 75 and 84 decibels. And the, uh, I cannot think of the big voice they have for the team, but he's like, get loud. And it's, it's 85 decibels, you know, and everybody, they're cheering their hearts out, but it just didn't make any sense. But now they still went down with the third, you know, they still had the third down production. They still had the, the hype videos. I was really impressed with the, um, with the in stadium games they were playing on timeouts of, of having a good time and still trying to still trying to keep the crowd hyped. Um, I still can't believe they got rid of the Kroger race. It's the worst, best thing ever. I want to see grown men dressed up as groceries chasing each other, but you had to take that away from us. So that's okay. But uh, I'm disappointed to say that the dollhouses still exist. But if you know me, if you know this podcast, if you know this group, we have always moaned the, staff inside the stadium and kind of the lackluster performance they put on of just security getting you into the event all the way up to the concessions. I, I, I couldn't be happier to report that it's actually the opposite. Now the staff was extremely helpful. They were very kind and asking people to put on masks and, and, and pretty militant about it though. They were not letting, if you took off your mask while standing in the stadium, someone would come up to you and tell you to put it on nicely, but they would tell you to put it on. And I'm happy to report most people wore masks the entire time, but the stadium staff was extremely nice. The crowd was having a good time. The production value was good. I was impressed. What about like uh, getting in and out of the stadium? How was all of that? I know, I mean, obviously with a smaller crowd, it's, it's not quite a, the, the load to handle, but um, I've heard it's like touchless, uh, in and out stuff. It was, did that go smoothly? Yes. So it was all touchless. We, you know, you scan the, scan the ticket on your phone to get in. The staff asks you to scan it. They won't take your phone from you, that kind of thing. They did not do any kind of actually like touching pat downs of you, but they were waving metal wands over people um, after you came through the metal detector. This next part is, <laughs> is where I'm going to be a little spoiled going forward because I, I don't, I, I like going to NFL games. I'm not the type of person that despises big crowds, but if I had to choose between one of the two, I would rather have a lesser crowd. 
getting up from my seat at halftime, walking out to the restroom, walking right out of the restroom, walking over to a bar, ordering a drink, walking back and sitting down with three minutes left on the clock in halftime was phenomenal. And I would trade that every time, no lines to stand in. It was like having first class on an airplane to yourself. Every, there was no lines for anything. There was no lines to get in the stadium. There was hardly any lines to get an Uber after uh, that part kind of spoiled me being able to spread out and, you know, sit in your seat and throw your feet up in front of you or kind of spread out in the row a little bit and have a good time and celebrate that part kind of spoiled me a little bit. I, yes, I, I did want a full stadium to be able to experience like the ground rumbling when Derrick Henry was throwing people into another dimension. But at the same time, I really enjoyed the fact that I had some personal space and could drink my uh, beverage and enjoy myself. So I wonder if that's not like the direction that NFL stadiums should go. Cause I mean, I, I think what we've seen across the league and this isn't just a Titan thing, but attendance is not quite as high. Uh, you know, it's harder and harder nowadays with HDTV and the comforts of watching a game in your own home and everything like that to fill these a hundred thousand, you know, mega, mega stadiums and stuff like that. Um, I, I wonder if it's not the way to go to build like a 40 to 50,000 seat stadium, make it nice, make it a little bit more spread out and just have a, a more consolidated crowd. Um, is that, I wonder if like this experience might not change the way that the, the NFL looks at that. Although at the end of the day, they're probably just going to want all those, uh, uh, all those people there spending money. Well, I think if, I think if, it, if LA and Vegas hadn't just built their stadiums and their, their massive, you know, ex- expenditures anyway, you may be onto something, but I mean, you know, how much do they spend on that LA Rams? Uh, Six LA billion, G- I believe. Six billion dollars. You have to have a hundred thousand people come to that stadium to ever <laughs> see that money again. Every okay. night for thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, to kind of sum it up, it was, it was surreal, but it was awesome at the same time because it, you just kind of had the, it was. It's like having the place to yourself. Your parents leave for the weekend and you just get this, you get to spread out with a few buddies. And, and I do wish that stiff arm would have been in front of a crowd of like 68,000 yes, people. I would have given anything to have lost my voice and hearing from people around me freaking out because even the limited crowd that was there, 8,000 made it sound like about 20,000 when that stiff arm happened. They were hyped. Would we have scored more points if more people were in the stands? Because if you think our third down defense is ranked right now, is ranked uh, 30... Dead last. Dead last. So I think our third down defense would have been a little bit better if more people had been in the stadium, especially after the stiff arms. So do you think we would have won by more if there were more people in the stadium, though? I Potentially. I think the crowd noise would have been a problem, especially once it was obvious the Titans players were feeling themselves. A crowd would have definitely followed suit and gotten into that. I do want to kind of just end on how glorious that, that, that win over the Bills was. I was so, I'm so tired of playing the Bills close, always play the Bills close. The Titans beat them 42 to 16, which if you're any fan of Reddit, that is a score gummy. Which means that score has is it means it's never been posted before in the NFL. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. First, unique, first time. Unique combination of scoring. It's never been posted before. Uh, I, I just got to wrap this up. Josh Allen just looking a bit off and behind. His timing was just off all night. Was 
uh, for me, glorious to see. I'm a no to Josh Allen hater. Um, I, I did have to say, watching him go, I didn't get to see this uh, uh, in you know in person. I saw it later on the broadcast of watching him go up and down the line and thank his offensive line, thank his wide receivers and all that when they finally benched him at the end of the game just to keep him from getting hurt was, you know, it was good of, to see, but there's always that pride in seeing the Titans team bench a quarterback because they're getting so bad. We've seen it with Josh Allen. We saw it with Tom Brady. It's just wonderful. And when it happens in front of you in your home stadium, mm, I, 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 I can't get enough of that. It's great. It's like foie gras just poured in me. It, it was, it was something because it, it, you all, you saw Josh Allen of old come back. He creeped back in, and we've all been waiting for it. And we were down Jeffrey Simmons. We didn't have uh, Derek Roberson. I mean, there was a, a, a quite a few people. Christian Fulton was gone. I mean, people missing all over the place. And he threw for 263 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. And coming into the game, he only had one interception, just like Ryan Tannehill. And at the end of the day, only one quarterback walked away with still one interception on the season. That's Ryan. That's the better 17. Yeah, and and, and to, to kind of hammer home on the Tannehill thing, that was – and whether or not QBR is your thing, um, regardless, that was the best QBR performance in Titans history um, for a single game going back, you know, QBR, QBR only goes back to 2006. So it's possible McNair had a few, uh, that would have ultimately beat that. But, uh, that was according to their metric, the best quarterback performance that the Titans have ever had, um, you know, since, since well, the last 15 years now. So very impressive. I think we've almost gotten so used to Tannehill playing like this, that it's not shocking anymore. Um, but that's really a testament to him. The Titans have now gone eight of their last 11 regular season games, scoring at least 30 points. There are whole seasons where the Titans didn't score 30 points one time. Now it's become like, oh, they, they just come out, they score 30 points and, you know, usually win. It's unbelievable the effect that he's had on this franchise. It may not be shocking, but it sure is fun to watch. It, I, the joy of watching Ryan Tannehill play football is a joy I haven't experienced as a Titans fan in a really, really long time. You know, you get your minor joys from Derrick Henry these last few years, and you had Chris Johnson go that 2,000-yard season. But seeing this kind of quarterback play and the way that he is on the field is just, it's awesome. And get this, Ryan Tannehill and Brett Favre are the only players in the last 3-0, 30 seasons to complete 100% of their passes in the red zone, throw three or more red zone touchdowns and rush for a red zone touchdown in one game, two quarterbacks, 30 seasons. It took to do that. It's just that he's so like the joy in watching him play, the joy that he seems to have on being on the field was, was fantastic. One of the coolest moments for Tannehill for me walking out of the game last night is I I was walking out, um, right next to his wife and children and his son was jumping and cheering and doing these little like spin pirouettes in the, in the air and just having, I mean, they get to watch their dad out there just balling out, having a great time. His wife got to watch his, his you know, wife got to watch his husband having a good career. He's away from Adam Gase. He's had this resurgence and then to go home and watch the replay of the game and listen to the announcers 
and the halftime crew fawn over this resurgence of Tannehill, it just, it makes me happy. And for a Titans fan, it makes me ecstatic happening to the Titans because it feels like so many not great things, especially a quarterback have happened to the Titans for a long, long time. Um, I want to shift to Texans talk, but I got to leave you with this stat because I pulled this one off Reddit last night and I really, really love this because we hate the Bills here and I want to jab one last little dagger in that side before we leave them behind. In 2008, the 4-0 Bills handed their first loss in a 41-17 blowout in week five and they never recovered and finished the season 7-9. and So eat that, Bills. There's your, there's your undefeated season. Just go on love, back home. I would love for that to, to work out again. Fry oh your chicken God. wings and throw amazing. each other through tables. And here's the thing. I want that to happen so we don't have to play the Bills next year more than likely because, you, you know, the AFC conferences, you have to play uh, the whoever uh, ranks in the like divisional rankings. You always play the, the other person that division rank. So that's the, another reason why we're playing the Bills again this year. It's... I just, I, I, I can't, I just, I'm elated at just wallowing in their sh- sorrow. The, the, the audacity of this group of people to think they were the first ones to fry up chicken parts and toss them in hot sauce and get out of here. FYI, we haven't mentioned it. We should have mentioned it at the top of the show. Titans are number one in the AFC, baby. Number one. <laughs> one of four undefeateds left. Is that correct? Correct, right. but we are the, because of our divisional, because of how our schedule works, we're actually the number one team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. The whole AFC. Isn't that the cool? Steelers we still haven't it. beaten anybody, so. Well, we beat the Bills. No, I'm saying the Steelers oh, haven't yeah. beaten anybody. Yeah, I kept they, telling they you that. The, I told you that a couple episodes the poor, ago. Uh, the poor Eagles this week uh, kind of, in. <laughs> They've had the best schedule luck ever in the first few weeks. Yeah. Here. Did you did you tell them that in an episode that we actually aired? Because yeah. the listeners don't understand that we've recorded a lot of stuff. In the oh, that's true. Weeks. The steel the Steelers <laughs> week, a lot of stuff got lost probably. But uh, I'm pretty sure to, I mentioned Steelers are overrated. We've had to delete so much. All right, let, let me transition because I do want to talk about the Texans game, even though they are hot garbage. The Titans do still have to play them, and it is the NFL, so anything could happen. Um. I feel like the only thing the Texans have going for them right now is Deshaun, Fuller, and Cooks. How worried are you about this Texans offense? Is, is, is that your concern about the team is their offense? Yeah, I guess my concern was going to be, I was thinking about this during the, the broadcast or, or us recording, was going to be the short week. But then I think about it, we had two practices in 16 days, two official practices in 16 days. One walkthrough, one no pets practice. Six sick players, sick coaches, and we still came out and whooped the Buffalo Bills. So what's a short week? I don't even know. Is it even going to be a factor? Probably not because the Texans stink. Their defense stinks. This <laughs> offense is overrated. Oh, Deshaun Watson had a good game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the worst pass defense according to DVOA. The Jaguars are awful. Let's 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 settle down on saying that Romeo Crennel, the oldest coach in NFL history to coach a game, and uh, this Tim Kelly offense is the resurgence of the Houston Texans, and they're coming back. They beat a bad Jacksonville team. They are overrated, and Deshaun Watson still looks like crap. He threw two interceptions, really horrible interceptions. He got harassed all game. Settle down. 
Zach is just feeling it. He's, oh, he's I'm just feeling he's it. dragging the Bills feelings it's right It's been a long time since I've had a podcast where I'm feeling it or where I've recorded and I'm feeling it. And I'm feeling it, baby. I'm just feeling Go ahead, it. Mike. The the uh, I do think Houston is better than their one and four record. They have played obviously Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, uh, and Minnesota before finally getting the win against Jacksonville. I think all four of their first four opponents are pretty tough teams. Um, so I, I would tread on. I would be careful about taking them too lightly. But again, the Titans have played better than Houston. The Titans are better than Houston. Uh, they're playing at home. Yes, it's a short week, but frankly, the Titans got to rest a lot of guys in the fourth quarter. Uh, they had pulled their guys, uh, you know, a lot of their key guys. So we were getting some Jamil Douglas snaps and stuff like that happening. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I would say, and plus you, you would think there is a really good chance that obviously you're definitely going to get Christian Fulton, Kamala Correa back in addition to the guys that had already come back for the Bills game from the COVID list. Pretty good chance you're getting Jeffrey Simmons back, Adam Humphreys back, Cam Batson back, uh, Corey Davis, um, maybe a Dory Jackson. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of the cavalry is coming. Um, you know, I don't know if you'll have them for this game, have them all for this game or not, but you might. Um, and this is a big one. I mean, it 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 is a big game. We should any division game is is critical putting the dagger firmly in the heart of Houston uh, at this point in the season would be a really big thing too. Obviously, you know, getting to five and oh, two and oh in the division would be huge. This is a big game, but really I think when we looked at the, the schedule before the season started, I felt like if you got out of the first six games at even three and three, you'd be okay with that. Four and four and two, you'd be happy. So they've already secured four and two. Four and two is is in the bag. Um, but if you can build on that, if you can get to five and one or or six and zero, oh even out of these first six, because this has not been that easy of a schedule when you really look at it uh, over the first couple months. That's a huge leg up, and you know, Indy's got a couple of easy games going up, going coming up. So you need to keep keep some distance with them. This this is a big game here. This should be the game that we, that is the Derrick Henry rush yards game that everybody's wanting, right? They all want the big, easy gains and the big, easy rush yards. The, the Texans before this week, before playing Jacksonville, they were one of the worst rush defenses historically out of the gate. And I think that you'll see that pick up and help Derrick Henry. And when Derrick Henry's rolling, Tannehill's always rolling. And guess what? Even when Derrick Henry's not rolling, Tannehill's still going because people are selling out to stop Derrick Henry. Look, it's I would be sorely disappointed if we did not win this game because, like you said, we are the better team. Now, again, I do worry about our third down defense and the magic of Deshaun Watson. We have to clamp down on that third down defense. But if Christian Fulton comes back, Kamala Correa comes back, Jeffrey Simmons comes back, and Adore Jackson comes back, I'm not as worried about all that because we do have a better rotation. And still, I still want to see Roberson come back too. I mean, we're talking about a guy who generated a lot of pressure. This is the this is the quarterback that you want to pressure. He crumbles under pressure. And the Jaguars still were able to get in his face and still make him make mistakes. And the Jaguars have nobody. Like, this is a, a that's a bum team. And 
I think that people are going to overrate this Texans resurgence just because they saw them beat the Jacksonville Jaguars the way they did. They they got the dead coach bounce, right? You know, you yeah. get the one week deal where, all right, we got rid of the guy that we all hated uh, and now we're happy really, again. Yeah. So we're going to play hard. I think that wears off relatively quickly. Um, and this is, this is a, this is a, like I said, a big game for the Titans. I don't think you'll see them overlook this uh, divisional matchup. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't think the Romeo Cornell rally is coming uh, to save the Texan season. If Romeo Cornell wants a rally, he really should just put a huge, giant fathead of Bob on the wall in the locker room with a little speaker that just plays his inan rants the whole time on the defensive side of the ball. Mike, this question is specifically for you. Cause I know you love the man is JJ Watt more concerned about facing the Titans offense or not being able to find enough cameras to look directly into. <laughs> He's definitely worried about the cameras. Look, I mean, the man has uh, like, if you're looking at Madden ratings, Camera awareness, 99, 99 for J.J. Watt. He knows exactly where those TV cameras are, and he is going to be looking for them, making eye contact, trying to make love to the camera. The guy loves looking at himself more than anybody I've seen in in the NFL. So, yeah, J.J. Watt's going to be staring at the cameras, not really that worried about, you know, chasing around Ryan Tannehill. So, um, (laughs) the guy's. I cannot stand J.J. Watt. Like, I'm sure he's a great guy and everything, but his personality is one of those personalities that, for me, is just like oil and water for me. Like, I, I cannot get along with a guy that loves himself as much as J.J. Watt loves himself. J.J. Watt is that personality that when he started out in the NFL, he has the exact opposite effect on me as of Philip Rivers. I hated Philip Rivers for years and years and years, and now I've grown this affinity for him. Even though he is playing for the Colts, I've grown this affinity for him and his kind of his antics. J.J. Watt is the exact opposite for me. He's a wonderful person off the field. He's done a lot for the city of Houston. His, his, you know, his philanthropy is, is great, but golly, he just always has to look right in the camera and it's just inferior. It's like, dude, we get it. Well, you know, the announcers talk about you come off it. He's the worst. He's the, that, he's the worst. <laughs> that didn't mean to turn into a JJ Watt sec, but I'm, I'm terribly sorry about that. But at Titans Texans, it is at noon on Sunday. Uh, final thoughts, Zach, uh, Titans are getting the win here, right? Oh, I mean, if you ask me, you know, that's what's going to, oh, I'm going to say. <laughs> that's why I asked you. Yeah. It's, it's, so let me say this. I'm going <laughs> to listen. I thought it was going to be like 24, 14 or 27, 14, you know, versus the bills. Mm-hmm. I think the Texans, I think they could give us a little bit of a hassle and blah, blah, blah. 35, 14 Titans. Oh, I can. He just throws out, <laughs> throws out a prediction. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for us. We're going to get out this morning again. Check out our content, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Go grab yourself a premium membership today for Michael Herndon, Zach Lyons, and myself, Michael Gillum. You have been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.